and creation and in yoga and in Ayurveda we talk about the nine entrances and how we can open and close them to conserve energy to create the inner cosmos and when you say you know the tongue and the mouth is so wet uh, particularly in Tantra the yoginis because in Tantra there were more women leading the way uh, way back I'm Alexandra Kreis and you're listening to Outer Travel in a Journey. Journeying now for 30 years into the life and practice of yoga, I have met many who have taken interesting turns when past extraordinary bumps and reached unexpected places. People with whom I shared conversations about everyday struggles, intimate realizations, larger questions, ideas and dreams. So today, I'm passing on the mic to one of them so we could hear and celebrate the wisdom in people's differences and experiences. Hello, dear listeners. Welcome back to the show. And today I'm sitting down with Regan O'Brien, originally from Dublin Island. Hello, Regan. How are you? Well, thank you, Alexandra. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm so looking forward to this conversation, particularly because I like the twang of listening to Irish and talking with Irish people (laughs) (laughs) again. And as we established, you look quite uh, like somebody who I know and uh, very much appreciate. So for those who are not familiar yet with the name, I want to say some introducing words about Regan. She is a voice and breath coach, but also a performing artist and singer. And this is how we got in touch, Regan, because I was looking out uh, for somebody to help me with my singing and voice coaching. And for some reason, the universe shifted some of my stuff around and we never got to it. But maybe you can talk a little bit more about yourself before we go into our conversation what is it you do and how did you get there Hmm. it's a good question how do you get there I think you have to I have to go back to why I needed to pay attention to my own voice Mm -hmm. really in order to really answer that and you know, I wrote a little bit about this for something before. So I have a sort of a resonance in my head um, or in my memory of that. And as I was writing before, there was a time in my life when I was so shy, I couldn't speak. Um, really? I couldn't join in conversations. And I loved to sing. God, I loved to sing. And I come from a family where music was very prevalent. And I sang all the time alone in my room. <laughs> and uh, yeah. when it came to sharing it, I just, I couldn't. It, it just locked up. I couldn't find a journey, the pathway to get me from singing on my own, where I was, I'm just in my element, so expressive, so... So just attuned to myself and had such a a strong understanding of 
who I was in the world. But the minute the door opened and 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 somebody wanted me to sing for them, I, I just could, it wouldn't come out. I would forget the words of songs. I would mm-hmm. shake a little bit. I would have these outer body experiences. Like I would literally jump out of my skin at the thought of having to share. I didn't see it as sharing, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I saw it as something that I had to do to meet someone else's expectations. Mm. So, and I didn't really realize that until, I don't know, I was an adult. You know, it wasn't something that I was conscious of, even it was just deep discomfort all the time. Um, And then I, I mean, I continued singing and, and I sang with friends. And, you know, as you become a teenager and you're starting to get a little bit more courageous about exploring your identity or not, as the case may be. But, um, you know, and you find your tribe and you find the people who appreciate you for who you are and your voice. And, you know, and I became a little bit more confident then. And I then studied speech and drama after school in the Conservatory of Music and Drama here in Dublin. Mm. And uh, that was like a three-year degree course. And in one way gave me loads and loads of strength in my ability and confidence in my ability. And in another way, as drama school tends to do, completely just bewildered and discombobulated me because you spend so much time sort of digging into yourself to try and express characters and I had no real understanding of what that meant as an 18 year old girl you know Mm. Um, so this practice happened so as time went on I began to realize that my voice and finding my voice was was a core experience of attuning into my my sense of comfort in myself and my identity. Yeah. Um, and still is, you know, because then you, you know, when you build a business around these things, you know, yeah. <laughs> it seems like there's a lot of pressure involved, but you know, yeah. I'm older now. I have experience. Yeah. It's different, but so I studied, I did a master's. I mean, I trained for years. I worked as an actor, a performing artist, and a singer Mm. and began to consolidate that identity in a way. And I felt more certain about the I in all of this. But I don't really think, I mean, and I taught, I mean, I've taught my my whole adult life, Mm -hmm. children, adults, in all different walks of life, I've taught in primary schools and secondary schools mm-hmm. and universities and colleges and community centers and adult education. I mean, really like everywhere. And I don't think it was until my daughter was born that everything just sort of landed. And mm-hmm. all of that concern that outer body experience that I got that was always still a little bit there there was always still of a performative sort of quality to even how I taught I think we all have these masks for the public I think we all have several different masks that we wear 
But when my daughter was born, everything sort of integrated more. Mm. The, I could see the connections very clearly about stepping into my motherhood, stepping into my voice, sharing my work, inviting other people to witness me at work was how I felt most comfortable saying it, was the easiest way that I could communicate to myself, yeah, my role in facilitating mm. other people on their journeys. I, um, what comes to mind is this book that I'm reading currently or rereading it again and again. This is by Seth Godin and he, he calls it just a practice, you know, and he refers to the art of contributing to the world and what came up for me and what I was reminded of um, by what you told us is that when we doubt our work or when we are sometimes in this outside performance, inside questioning, that this really shows that we do in a true practice because we are not only in communication with the outside, but we also always have to level it up with ourselves. And this uh, is what makes a practice, an art practice, an expressionary practice, a healing practice really alive. It brings it to life. And all I can say, you know, like what I felt when you said, you know, I've been teaching this, performing here and there. I, I still do this. Every class I teach, every massage I give, every coaching I give, you know, I feel really nervous. And then it feels almost like some part of me has to leave in mm -hmm. order for the practice to come through, for the work to come through. And then, you know, and then I'll, I'm witnessing it as much as I'm giving it. So that, to me, that sounded like you were going to, through the same experience, but I might be a bit premature. Yeah, no, I, so. I definitely feel connected to what you're saying when you say that the balancing the internal and the external landscapes, I like to think about it. Erin um, mm. Manning has a great word, she calls it relationscape. And it is a lovely way for me to visualize how to place yourself in the context of your relationships to all of the things that you do and everyone in your your semiosphere your biosphere your under <laughs> the sphere of understanding or the landscape of understanding that you have of what you do um it helps me to think about that so the the nervousness that you're talking about hmm. shows me the how much you care you know there's yeah. a there's a rawness and there's a realness so the stakes are high um mm -hmm. i heard somebody talk about that experience of stepping into the swirl or stepping into the flow rather than trying to stop it or control it and there's something very feminine about experiencing the nervousness experiencing the rawness of the event and just allowing yourself to move with it and staying present in the movement mm. rather than um expending all this energy on trying to make things stay still so that you can kind of get a read um it's, it's sort of a different way of moving and when i think about voice work 
I think mm. about vibrations and resonances and all of this has movement in it. Um, so there's a tuning into the internal oh. landscape mm -hmm. so that it so, can resonate outwards. Sorry, didn't want to interrupt, but yeah. I'm really curious at this point, um, as much as probably the listener is. So what happens really in voice work? If you don't want to learn traditional singing, what happens or what is the offer of the outcome? You know, I know we, we shouldn't be seeking results all the time, but what is it like what you're helping to mend or heal or integrate, whichever way you want to phrase it? I love to say that I partner people on their journey towards connecting with their voice in a meaningful way. Mm -hmm. When I think about my own journey, um, I know I always had to find mentors and supervisors and coaches. And I don't know, when I was a kid, there was no such thing as a coach. Do you know, you had a basketball coach or a sports coach, <laughs> and then there were business coaches. And the idea of calling yourself a coach, mm. for me, is very much a partnership. It's mm -hmm. not direct learning. It's not top down. It's not, I know more than you do. It's like, I've had this experience. I have a way of doing something that really works for me. And I'm very mm -hmm. prepared to open up my space, hold it so you can have an experience of that too. So a lot of the people who magnetize towards me in terms of their voice work are people who have noticed the barriers to their voice. People who have a real passion or desire to feel more comfortable with their mm. speaking voice, communicating mm. with people in their families, communicating mm. with people at work, speaking mm. into board level. I mean, these things are that nervousness that you're talking about, the performance anxiety. I mean, there's a lot of people out there teaching presentation skills. Mm. And I, I always think of my work as the, as the work that comes just before that, that connecting mm. with yourself and demystifying the barriers to expression. Yeah. Yeah. So I work a lot with the poetics of voice, that sort of pre-verbal movement of the voice in the body, the sensing inward, feeling the actual physicality of making voice in your own body. Like when you put your hand in your sternum and you're speaking, you can feel your voice vibrating in your rib cage. That is real. That's really, really happening. It's not mm. mysterious. And it's finding the path of least resistance to creating a support for that vibration with breath work, with strengthening exercises, so that the whole facility for, for breath work is, um, is clear. You know that the exercises are clear so that you know what to do. So when, the, when it all starts to shake, that there's, that there's technique, and there's always been technique. You've been breathwork technique for thousands of years mm. through a lot of the traditional corporeal arts, like yoga, for example, like what you mm. do. Um, and how these techniques translate into voice production. Because breathing for voice is different to breathing for yoga. Mm. We do a lot of breathing through the mouth in voice work. Yeah. Um, and so I find a lot of the, the clients that I work with, there's this breaking of habits involved yeah. to kind of create new new patterns. Um, it's it's often it's often one of those 
you think you you think you're breathing <laughs> you think you're breathing <laughs> until you start <laughs> till you start working with breath and then the rhythm of your life changes because your breathing is like the rhythm of your life mm. so things start to shift so i try to demystify a lot of this for my clients and 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 just sort of shine a light on the pathway so that it's not so scary so that the things we're frightened of are are things that we know are patterns it's like oh i keep mm. doing it's like yeah that's okay you know you notice you notice and you keep doing the work until your pattern starts to shift and mm -hmm. there's more space for the vibration and <laughs> things get integrated yeah. and i feel more confident yeah i I particularly like how you're placing your words, even in this interview, and how you're taking gaps for, for breath. This is what I'm noticing. And before we came together here, we did a little bit of getting to know each other. And there was the sense there, or also the spoken sentence of that this is, the spacing is so important these days you know in and we are both trying <laughs> trying to make that more visual for people and you doing this I noticed as much here in the interview but how do you really create that in your sessions or do you have an example maybe of where it was very successful or whatever comes to mind yeah so a session when I begin with my clients, we have a chat just mm. to get the lay of the land and see where they're at. It also means I can hear their voice when they're speaking and I can get a sense of how they're operating. Um, and I make notes. So I hear about what kind of availability there is for chest resonance or sinus mm. or throat mm. or the mouth and the freedom in the jaw. So I, I try and notice what's going on with the body. And then we do a bit of movement, you know, you have to, the voice is the sound of your muscles moving. So, you know, uh, more flexibility in the body, more flexibility in the voice. And so I would warm up the body and I always start with the feet because it's the place where we receive support first. And just releasing energy into the ground and accepting support from the ground and then just working the articulations of the feet. And it helps just drop down into the body mm. because oftentimes people think that the voice is something that comes from here and it's about being out there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's yeah. our voice is so much connected to other people and our perception of how other people perceive us or our guests. Yes. This, the, the whole phenomenon, and for those who are only um, listening instead of seeing, but Regan just pointed to her throat, and what comes up immediately is that we always live from up here, and as much as we do this in yoga, you're doing this in your voice work, we need to come as a whole person with all, all the bits that we come with, feet, legs, and also from... Because you talked about the difference of 
breathing, a lot of the yoga breath comes from the pelvic work, you know, and kind of breathing really deeply into your lower abdomen and into your diaphragm. So where is that different? You talked about of re-coaching people in regards to that. It's the same. The diaphragm is the center, right? It's the, mm. it's the main muscle you know, for voice work too. It's the center of your being, you know, and everything moves outwards from there. And really it's just about opening your mouth. So when you're speaking a lot or singing, just getting getting out of the way of the sound is the main thing. So I'm opening my mouth here, yeah. I spend a lot of time telling my clients to open their mouth when they sing so they can let the sound out and they can let the air in. And there's no sucking or uh, constricting in the throat the way there would be in this ujjayi breathing or mm -hmm. the pranayama breathing. I just I want I want the air in fast right down to the pelvis like you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I love this work because particularly this idea of of breathing into your pelvis. Um, because your lungs are, are not in your pelvis. Uh, so I remember finding this to be extremely difficult <laughs> when I started leaning. People were kept on telling me to breathe into my belly and I'm like, what? My uh, lungs are in my chest, sorry, no. So my diaphragm displaces the organs, which creates an abdominal movement. And really what this is, is, is diaphragmatic breathing, right? So I... Mm. And I was working with this amazing woman recently because I had back pain and she was like, you need to reset your diaphragm. And I was like, oh. So we did so much work and uh, releasing any kind of faulty attachments between my diaphragm and my lower ribs. And really like the, the difference in my body is incredible. So I think it's the same in terms of the depth of breathing, but with voice work, what we're trying to do is control and support the outbreath on a vibration because we're trying to create sound and there's something very intimate about this mm. and very tender because we're so attached to our sound and we're so judgmental about the sound mm. that we make as well um so for me the embodied voice work is really important because it gives me a, a sensory experience mm. I can feel the attuning in and, but in, in a lot of ways, the breath work is quite similar mm. into the diaphragm, into the intercostal muscles get worked hard because this is the bellows, you know, the yeah. ribs and the, the intercostal muscles, the, the lungs, it's the bellows. And we have to work mm. that and strengthen this area, strengthen the diaphragm and absolutely the, the abdomen as well in order for supporting, but the softness there, between it's the same I think in yoga there's a softness in the abdomen there's an, an allowing and an accepting yeah I mean from a yogi term uh, you you were talking about the circulating energy you know you were making these movements earlier and I was thinking immediately for those who know yoga you know the shakti you know this expression of and that's what we often don't feel and my thought was that when you said you when you became a mother 
your you know you you kind of really settled into this expression yeah. of your work and isn't and it's what few people know in yoga is that the the place the second chakra also where the um where the womb is you know is very strongly related to the throat so it didn't come to me as a surprise uh, when you said that now, but how did you kind of digest that? I mean, you're coming from this shy personality into doing something super extreme. I mean, I think when I'm shy, I'm not going to do drama school. You know? yeah. <laughs> uh, you're not exactly drawn to that. That would what what I'm thinking and the next thing you're bearing a child and from there you know your expression becomes even stronger how did you perceive that from your professional side or from your personal side whichever way you want to place it the connection between the pelvis and the jaw or pelvis and the throat I have always I mean most of the work I do with people is around the hips the pelvis the throat and the jaw. I mean, these it, it's inextricably linked as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I have this whole this whole course called Irish Hips, you know, and it's been... <laughs> I mean, Please explain for who doesn't know, <laughs> who hasn't heard about that. What are Irish Hips? <laughs> uh, well, it sounds funny, but it, it really isn't. Um, it's not funny at all. I, I think that there's a huge constriction with Irish people and our hips. Um, mm. And it's, I think it's the result of a lot of social contraction. That's uh, probably the best way of putting it. Um, it's oppressive. I mean, for me, the, the hips are the, the seat, the seat of myself, you know? Um, and it's where my energy grows out of. And certainly as a, as a woman in the world, I mean, I don't know about anywhere else, but there's a certain shame around Irish women's hips is particularly now, I think, you know, at the moment with, with our legacy and our, and our duty that we have to accept responsibility around the, the mother and baby homes and our lack of care for, for women. Mm -hmm. and uh, an oppressive sexuality as well. Um, you know, this yes. is a long legacy for our national psyche, which yes. has kind of jailed our hips a bit. And as, as a nation of artists and singers, this, it does something to the jaw. And there's, the, there's so much structure around as well, because we're very literary to yeah. you know um and that's again it's another structure um so what i'm interested in is in what what's happening underneath this mm -hmm. before the words come what's happening before the words this pre-verbal sounding this releasing mm. creating the conditions for flow so irish hips to me is a uh, a very sacred space that is entitled to take up space to express. Mm. And I don't think that there's enough support for this. 
I mean, now it's growing, definitely. Our culture is starting to change, which is wonderful. But really, our right to express ourselves from the hip, you know, um, our entitlement to take as much space as we need to have our needs met um, and step into that and step into that voice and and this this jaw hip connection I think it's there's definitely something in it I do a lot of <laughs> work she's really. losing out her jaw right now while she's talking yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I have, to, I have to comment so just a, and you know, and I know, I mean, I lived in Ireland long enough to understand what you're talking about, but I'm sure people who are not familiar with Ireland as such, as deeply, you know, we can all resonate with the shame around the hip and also the shame around opening the mouth really wide. I mean, you know, my father used to say that, you know, don't open your mouth wide, you know, the dogs will fly in. And so there is... That's very interesting in, in some ways. Have you put more you know, research into it? Why are we so reluctant to open our mouth so wide? So intimate, isn't it? It's so intimate. Yeah. Why so intimate. That? It's the way in. It's the way mm. in, I think. Um, mm. I don't know, actually. I just, I do know that the words that come up around opening your mouth are vulgar. You know, wow. I've heard, I've heard this come up. It's vulgar to open your mouth. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to see inside your mouth. Oh, you're catching flies. You know this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This kind of stuff. Yeah. Close uh-huh. your mouth. Mm-hmm. Mm. And the tongue, this exposed muscle. Um, it's, it's so intimate and it's, it's, there's an ah, there's an origin here as well, isn't there? This, yeah, it's a source or something, you know. There's this sense of hmm, it's tender, it's wet, mm. it's just this so yeah. so tender and intimate. I think, yeah, the openings are, aren't they? The openings are, and oh, I have this wonderful dancer friend and. She was like, uh, we were talking about this, the nature of intimacy of the openings, you know? And she was Mm -hmm. like, sometimes when you're speaking with these lips or the lips in your mouth, you have to imagine you're speaking with your other lips, you know? And it's, and that brought into very, very clear relief, the shame around the hip or the pelvis or the genitalia and, you know, this stepping into ownership around motherhood, because all of a sudden this area starts to do something very different. That is not about <laughs> anything sexual, really. Like, you know, yeah. it's all to do with origin. And I think that there's something yeah. of the origin here. And creation and in yoga and in Ayurveda, we talk about the nine entrances and how we can open and close them to conserve energy, to create the inner cosmos and when you say you know the tongue and the mouth is so wet uh, particularly in tantra the yoginis because in tantra there were more women leading the way uh, way back in some of the you know path of or lineages of tantra and 
they were wild and wicked because they knew if they liberate themselves from the um, strange ethics, let's call it that, you know, or mm. where, where we can't express ourselves, where we are full of shame about our bodies, you know, no matter what part, starting from the mouth, we just both kind of realized here in this conversation. And then kind of moving further down and the further down we go in the, in the nether world, you know, it gets even more contracted and they freed themselves from that. They said the union of Shiva and Shakti, which is a sexual ex expression in mm -hmm. itself, you know, the lingam and the yoni, as they call it, um, that has to come together to really express experience the entire universe and so yeah. a, a lot of us who are living a fast-paced life and suddenly noticing we're lacking something it's always that lack of that the understanding of the bigger essence that we can't feel and it almost starts with ourselves that's why so many people do the yoga, you know, and the yoga in so many forms, body uh, restriction and discipline, but the tantric way is your way almost, I was thinking, you know, the way you kind of open your mouth and talk about the, um, the movement, also the talking with the different lips, that's all so tantric, you know, to me, at least from the little I know. And the little um, I know as well. Um, yeah. It's raising this kundalini energy is something that I like to work with as well mm -hmm. because this, the, the poetics of movement and the poetics of voice um, the songfulness of the body like I have a course at the moment called the singing body and mm -hmm. it's really just the union of movement and voice and tuning in to the feeling of my voice vibrating in my own body. So I can, I set the conditions for understanding what I want to express, what's there, but it doesn't necessarily have to be in a linguistic way. So I can sound, you know, I can, I can express without having to understand intellectually what it's about because I will certainly in, in, in my country we have a very very strong hierarchy around expression and linguistics I mean language is, is I mean obviously it's fundamental but it's fundamental to how it shapes us and and then how we respond to that so that's why I like to get in underneath the language mm -hmm. in order that we can we can find out some hmm tune into something that's more uh, original, that's more immediate and raw. And then from there, develop an understanding about what that is. So there's a very strong therapeutic quality to what I do, um, but always giving people the, the technique and support for that expression, for that flow. Hmm. It's the aim anyway, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and I think that were really nice final words of describing what you do and how healing doesn't need to come through one path, but you can do it through your voice work, you can do it through 
I don't know what I do. You can do it mm-hmm. through deep diving as we figured out in one of my shows. And the very, very last question I ask you, I always ask my guests, you know, what is it you want to say to the listeners right now? What is it that you want to give them with and leave them with? I think everyone is capable of expressing their own meaning and their own truth. And I don't think that we have to rely on words to do that. There are so many other art forms and practices that allow us to do that. And that tuning in and sensing your own voice vibrating in your own body is such a real practical and effective way of understanding yourself. And certainly it's worked for me. And it's worth closing your eyes and putting your hand on your sternum and humming Mm. and feeling that because this it's the shortcut to the rest and digest response. Shortcut to your polyvagal theories. It's just (laughs) practical. And I just think that sitting down and humming with your hands on your own body is a great way to tune back in and reset. Thank you. Okay, thank you. That was a lovely conversation. Uh, mm-hmm. I really touched um, by what you had to share. And thank we you. wish you the best of luck with your work. And as always, if somebody wants to seek out to work with Regan, you find her website in the show notes. And she does online work as well. So wherever you are, you're welcome to join her in her work. So, bye-bye. Thank you so much, Alexandra. Bye-bye. If you enjoy listening to my podcast, please consider to become a patron at patreon.com slash alexandrakreis and pledge your donation.